Hello and welcome everybody to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John, sitting here in Nashville. Joining me all the way from the West Coast, it is Ian. Hey, what's going on? Hey guys, today this is episode 7. Imagine, we've got the 7 episodes already. Collected Community and Postmodern Formats. So we're going to talk a little bit about some community news, a few things that you should be aware of going into this weekend, and then we're going to talk about the sweet sweetness that came out of the SCG event this past weekend. Indeed. So we had some news this week that Greg Leeds, who is the current CEO of Wizards of the Coast, is actually leaving, uh, I believe it's in May. Or yeah, no, I believe this, it's May. Yeah, leaving this summer. He's going to be staying around so he can work with the new incoming CEO, Chris Cox who recently of Microsoft has some extensive digital experience, which has gotten the community all in a, a flurry about maybe this might mean somebody with a technical lean coming in to help save Mitko, or, which is magic online. But well, we'll see how that save goes. Save in, in air quotes. <laughs> save as in like just put it back on direction because it's – I didn't really save, but more of you – know, wrong wording there by me, but – they have the new version that's coming out that they've already talked about in some previous uh, stockholder things. It's like Magic Next 2017. So it should essentially be Magic Online version 5 that people are really hoping it's either going to be make or break for that uh, product. So getting somebody who's got a digital lean is definitely going to be helpful. Also, the big thing with the new CEO is that he is also a Magic player and he plays Dungeons & Dragons, which, as you know, are Wizards 2 primary uh IP products. So the fact that he's very familiar with both of Wizards' biggest products is going to be very helpful. He's not, only his... the... <laughs> he's not only the CEO, he's also a client. Yeah, I know. It's the best way to get him hooked. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're going to wish... go for I'm, it. I'm, ex I'm excited about that kind of like, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, Greg Lee's led the company to where it's at now, which is bigger than it's ever been. But hopefully, you know, the new one can take a little further. Yeah, I we wish Chris Cox only the best of luck when he when he starts to take over the job in May, and we will we will wait with bated breath to see what 2018 has because uh, Wizard or actually it would be 2019 I guess before we see anything that he would have his hands in because Wizard because R and D and Magic were two years ahead, so I I believe based on my understanding of the time frames that the fall set this year is almost already locked in. Yeah, that's usually how the rotations go for that. So yeah, we'll so see. like for so they're working in 2018 now. So we'll see. Uh, excuse me. Other big news this weekend is the Magic Online pre-release for Shadows of Innistrad. So if you have a Magic Online account, you can go ahead. Excuse me, and find those cards online starting on the 15th. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I'll be streaming a bunch of them, and I can't wait to get my hands on it because I know the paper pre-releases were incredibly fun. And the fact that it's going to be not just pre-release, like open your pool 30 minutes for a build to go, it's in leagues. So you can continuously tweak your pools between rounds if you want to. Yeah, the fact that they're doing pre-release leagues is really sweet. Also, the fact that they are basically saying, look, we don't know why we even have the, this week of release events anyways. So pre-releases this weekend, pre-release leagues close for entries on Monday, and then just regular events start on, start on that Monday as well. So yeah, you can just go ahead and jam all the games of Shadows of Innistrad you want and have a grand old time drafting some sweet, sweet decks. Don't forget, if you are going to do that, get into a queue 
or get into the league on Monday because the actual games can still be played through Wednesday. Yeah, and make sure you do finish your games through Wednesday as well. You don't want to yeah. get get lost games in in a league. Just just spewing value right there. Exactly. Why would you want to spew value? So Ian, we had something amazing happen uh, this weekend over the weekend on the SEG Open in Baltimore. Go ahead and tell us what happened. Okay, so round two on coverage, we had two women in the feature match area, which was freaking awesome. We had Emma Handy versus Rebecca Crockett. Uh, Emma Handy, I believe, won the round. But what I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit was that there, there was someone tweeted about, hey, we had two women on coverage, and the chat wasn't bad. I mean, that's a good My, thing. It's a great thing. I love it. I hate to be a buzzkill. But I was watching and also watching the chat, and there wasn't any bad things going on. But SCG chats are subscription only or subscriber only chat. So basically you have to pay the $5 to subscribe to the SCG Live Twitch channel to chat. People aren't usually going to throw away $5 to make some rude comments. Back in the day before they instituted it, the only reason why SCG instituted is because any time a woman came on screen, negative things were start going on a chat you can see this in any mothership thing so i'm happy that we got to see two women in the very first round of coverage that we got to see of the weekend i just want to see that again and i want to see chat behave itself on something like a mothership during a gp if yeah, that happens then we can really start giving out the kudos to people saying like hey we're making this forward progress until then really got to temper the uh, enthusiasm about it because obviously there was like i think 60 people who were subscribers in the chat. So when you're doing with 60 people, but like over a couple thousand watching, it kind of yeah. skews that a little bit. So you got any thoughts on that one, John? Uh, for me, well, I tend to avoid watching Twitch chat on on kind of the larger streams anyways. For example, whenever I watch SCG or I watch even streams on the regular Magic channel, I tend to just ignore the chat because I always feel like I get dragged into something terrible or I see people being kind of just not nice people in chat and it is true that sometimes when when a when a woman shows up on coverage that people just go ooh yeah and they do all the usual girl grill yeah all that stupid crap so there's I was a really, reason i was really i'm kind of it's great i i want to echo what ian said it's great that we got two women on coverage against each other um it's a great direction for the game to go in i know that one of the big pushes from the community side is I know a few years ago, Mark Rosewater basically said that due, through their player surveys, they had they said that they had a, I think it was a 60-40 gender breakdown, 60% Something male audience, 40% female audience. However, the fact that there's only like 3% of women on the professional circuit or in the G, playing in GPs, that is not representative of what people are seeing. Like That 3% of women in competitive events is not what Wizard sees from their market research. Yeah, but it's slowly progressing we get seeing more women out there kicking some butt taking names and i just hope that it keep it continues i want to continue i know i've gotten my butt kicked many a time (laughs) it doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy just play the game enjoy it have fun and yeah it'll be good for everybody yeah just follow wheaton's law if you don't know what wheaton's law is you can look it up so Speaking of SCG Baltimore, that was the big tournament over the weekend. There was no GPs. There were no Pro Tours. Pro Tours actually next weekend, 
We've got two GPs this upcoming weekend, but the SCG Open is the first thing that we have to look at for all the formats. And the first format that we want to touch on is a format that's near and dear to our heart, and that is Modern. Because Modern had a huge shakeup during the Shadows over Innistrad release. Yeah, what ended up happening is the most recent banned and restricted announcement helped to nerf what had been become the bane of the format. I honestly never, I didn't play Modern. I basically stopped playing Modern from January through April because Eldrazi were an absolute menace. Just like we had, I mean, we had, it was the current block and standard, but it's, it was also just absolutely atrocious in Modern. If you don't know like what we mean by the fact that the, that the Eldrazi were a menace, go look at uh, Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch. You'll see the top eight of the format be six Eldrazi decks of three different varieties and two Affinity decks in the top eight. And then after that, we had the Triple Modern Weekend, where I think out of the 24 top eight decks, I think like 16 were, were Eldrazi decks. And it was the stateside GP that ended up saving us from the Eldrazi sweep. Yeah, the Eldrazi sweep. Because basically, Modern turned into a format where it doesn't matter what you play or what colors you play, as long as it's Eldrazi. Well, either it, it was kind of like harking back to some of the days where, like, Cobbly, where like, you either played the deck or you played the deck that would beat that deck. The crazy thing that was that the deck that beat that deck was still an Eldrazi deck, or Collected Company. Yeah, Collected Company ended up get benefiting very much from this deck. Also, the Eldrazi metagame allowed a blue-white control deck to finally be viable in the format. I was happy about that, even though I hate control, but, you know. Yeah, that's, because it, that's because I'm an aggro player. Well, aggro combo in Modern, as yeah. in fact. But we, we, we can share our thoughts on control later. So basically what made Eldrazi so crazy, and it's been talked about ad nauseum, is the fact that it had two lands, uh, Eye of Ugin, and Eldrazi Temple, which could allow you to get explosive starts. You could, with the Eye of Ugin, it allowed you to play colorless Eldrazi spells at two mana cheaper. It just so costs you have, two less. Yeah, two less. So you have some cards that were actually two mana that you could literally just dump three on the battlefield for free and then play an X spell, X cost Eldrazi for two, and then the next turn play another card, uh, play an Eldrazi Temple, which taps for two when you're... When you're casting an Eldrazi spell. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Had a thing to throw it there. So anyway, yeah, it costs, you pay, get an extra two, they're called Soul Lands, which is akin back to, harkens back to Soul Ring, which was an artifact that would tap for two mana. And the fact that the deck had eight of them. Right, and you could actually use Simeon Spirit Guide, exile it from your hand to get a fifth uh, mana, and play something like a Reality Smasher, and a couple of those two-mana cards become the power and toughness of a card when you play it. Namely the Eldrazi Mimic. Correct. So basically your Eldrazi Mimic, you could have three on the battlefield plus a two-mana, or a two-two endless one, and then play a Reality Smasher, which is a 5-5 five, five Trample Haste on turn two, and then literally hit them and kill them on turn two. Now granted, and- that was the nut draw. I think that that line is exactly Eye of Ugin, Eldrazi Temple, followed by four Eldrazi Mimics, or even, actually you could do it with three Eldrazi Mimics, yeah. uh, Simeon Spirit Guide, and Reality Smasher. That is a perfect seven-card hand, three of which three of those cards are a four of in your deck. So it's yeah, a very unlikely draw. Yeah, but even then it was still just – it would just overrun you. It had too much power and efficiency for what they wanted from the format – 
and it just it just overpowered the the format and to it to the detriment and dislike of a lot of players. Yeah, it turned out that, that there was like, hey, you can play Painter Servant, which turns all cards in play and in, in, in libraries into whatever color you want, but that ended up not mattering at all. Yeah, but so what, ha- what ended up happening with the most recent ban and restricted announcement is they banned Eye of Ugin to help alleviate some of the insane starts. Now, they kept the Eldrazi Temple around because they stayed, Aaron Forsyth stated on coverage at one of the Grand Prix that, yeah, we're looking at it, but we want Eldrazi to still remain a viable deck. It wasn't really much of a viable deck in terms of the results in top 30, but you still can play Eldrazi for mostly value creatures now, and it's just going to be a little bit slower. Yeah, it's not going to be as explosive as I Ugin made it. Right. The biggest, the biggest thing, though, that came out of it was the unbanning. Not unbanning, unbannings. Well, we had two I mean, of them. Well, yeah, the unbanning, I was going to say, the unbanning of Sword of the Meek and Ancestral Visions. So these two cards were, I, I know, I think Vision was banned from the start of the format. So was Sword. And, and they were both banned from the beginning of the format. Okay. Now, Sword of the Meek was part of a combo deck in Extended, which right, was the predecessor to Modern, which is like longer standard. Yeah, and, that's, and that's why that's why they banned right off the bat, because they were still had the, the bad taste in the mouth of the extended sword deck. So Sword of the Meek is the Sword of the Meek uh, deck was part of the combo of Thopter Depths. The Thopter part refers to the Sword of the Meek. We'll get to that in a moment. The other card was Dark Depths, which is banned in modern, rightfully so, because you can make a twenty twenty indestructible flyer on turn two, and that's just dumb. But what <laughs> Sword of the Meek does is it combos with another artifact. So actually we should explain what Sword of the Meek is. Well it's okay. an equipment for three mana? I don't have the it's, card in front it, of me. All right, I have it. So Sword of the Meek is a two mana artifact equipment. It says equipped creature gets plus one, plus two. It That's has not very good. It has an equipped cost of two. That's not very now, good. Now, it's, you know, it's your usual typical whatever. Now, what made it so amazing is that it says whenever a 1-1 creature comes into play under your control, you may return Sword of the Meek from your graveyard to play, then attach it to that creature. Now, this card combos with... A Thopter, the Thopter portion of it being Thopter Foundry. Which is from... Alara uh, Block. It's from, uh, crap, not Conflux, Alara uh, Reborn. Yeah. So what it does is it is a hybrid white-black and a blue. So it's a two-mana thing, so you have to pay either white or black and blue to get an artifact that states, one, pay one, sacrifice a non-token artifact, Put a 1-1 blue Thopter artifact creature token with flying into play, you gain one life. Now, you stick this, you pay the cost, you sack the, the Sword of the Meek to the Thopter Foundry. The sword goes to the graveyard, you can then get a Thopter. That's a 1-1. The claws on the Sword of the Meek triggers. You return it from the graveyard, attached to the Thopter. Your Thopter is now a 2-3 flyer. And you can continue to do this for as long as you have Thopter, for as long as you have mana. Correct. And you can just basically go ham... And I was watching Frank Laporte play this deck earlier today, and he would basically hold up all of his mana, pass the turn to his opponent, block one or two creatures at the end of turn, tap seven mana, do it seven times, gain seven life, get seven Thopters. And then he had two sword doing it, so it was just, it was it was insanity. Yeah, sword of, the Sword of the Meek Thopter, Thopter Foundry combo is not a fast combo. A lot of the combo decks you've seen in modern up to this point have been incredibly fast combos. Um, the, the slowest combo I can think of is the Gifts Ungiven combo deck, 
which is isn't really even a combo deck, really. Um, oh, funny, funny you should mention gifts on given because that's a new package. They're calling it Thopter Gifts because yeah, because gifts is so good. Gifts on given for those who don't know is a four mana instant, three and a blue. And what you do is you search your library for four cards with different names. And then you put them, or you search for up to four cards, because that's important. And you put them in front of your opponent. And then you go, okay, opponent, pick two of these to go to my graveyard. You, can literally, out, pick, you can literally pick one card. <laughs> you can pick two cards. That's what the old gifts decks ran, where you would pick Unburial Rites, which has flashback, and it reanimates a creature. And you'd put, like, Unburial Rites and, say, I don't know, Iona or... Elishnor in your graveyard, depending on what deck you were playing against, and you could then next turn just Unburial Rites your creature and then hose your opponent from whatever the strategy is. Yep. It's it's a value deck, and it's an actual package that people are going to be slotting into control decks. So if you're playing a blue-white X control deck, odds are you might end up seeing this lovely combo in there. Yeah, it does help a lot against some of the, maybe not the faster combo decks. For example, I play Storm, and I really don't care about about Sword of the Meek. I really don't. As, and as, yeah, and me too. I'm an Infect player, so I'm looking to kill you on turn four by the time you're getting, and I'm ignoring your life total too with Infect. So well, I mean, The only card, that, the only reason that you care about the Thopters is that they get in your way, but then again, you do have Rankers in your deck, and you have ways of getting Trample, so that's not something oh. you really need to worry about, right? There, there's a reason I'm including the lovely new card from uh, the... Oh, dang, what block was it? Are you talking about Team of Battle Rage? No, from Oath. Oh, from uh, Oath. Uh, was, slip Through Space. Yeah, Slip Through Space, which is one blue... It's a blue mana. Target creature cannot be blocked this turn. Draw a card. So you can trip. You give your guy unblockable, and you just go ham on your opponent at that point. So I literally don't care about it. I have ways to get around it. Now, the card that made more people kind of just go, oh, my was Ancestral Vision. Now, if you've been playing Magic a while, you might have hear Ancestral. Where have I heard that name before? Why does that word mean something in Magic? And you might be thinking of Ancestral Recall, which is one blue mana, instant, target player draws three cards. Best three words in Magic. It is in the power, it's part of the Power Nine, which are the nine most powerful cards in all of Magic, and it's restricted advantage, banned in every format that you can think of, and it is very, very powerful. Ancestral Vision plays off of that. It says draw three. It says target player draws three cards on it, but it has no mana cost. It's a sorcery, and it has suspend four. Now, Ian, what does suspend mean? Now, suspend is a quirky little mechanic, and what it does is it allows you to exile the card. It says rather than play this card from your hand, pay whatever. So this car casting cost is a blue mana. So it says, rather than play this card from your hand, pay blue, remove it from the game, also known as exile, with the time counters on it. And your time counters will be equal to whatever its suspend card is. For Ancestral Vision, it's suspend four. So it costs four time counters. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When you remove the last, you may pay, play it without paying its mana cost. So basically, it's on layaway. You basically say, you can go turn one Ancestral Visions, and your opponent's like, in four turns, I'm drawing three cards. It's so amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing in control decks because you can go, usually usually just playing a land on turn one in a control deck, you might be holding up Lightning Bolt. You might have a uh, Thoughtseize or something to hand attack. Yeah, you're doing a draw, draw card, but this is one where you can just go play land, put Ancestral Visions and draw three cards on layaway. So by the time I've answered a couple of your other cards, 
four turns down the road, I can just restock my hand. And control car- control decks love card draw, and it's probably the best card draw right now. In, in well, modern. in in modern, yes. So the big so another big thing with suspend is that you trade mana for time, because draw three cards normally costs at sorcery speed four mana. Excuse me, costs four mana. It with like I think it's uh, concentrate is two blue blue draw three cards. If I remember my card names correctly, and and social vision is one mana, but you you have to wait four turns, which it can be a it can be a cost. So you have to make sure that if you're in a control deck playing ancestral vision, that you have ability you have the ability to stem the bleeding. And again, right. for, as a storm player, I don't care about ancestral vision. I should kill you before it resolves. If I don't, that's for me, me. And for me as an infect player, if I have the nut draw hand of, I can combo you out on turn two or turn three before you are able to actually go off with your card draw. So there's a, there's a way that for either of our faster decks, it's specifically going to be targeted for control decks like we mentioned just because of the fact that you need to stem the bleeding. You need yeah. to be able to control, for lack of a better word, <laughs> yeah. the fact that your opponent can go off and can kill you early. You need to tempo them out and make sure that they can't so you can get your card advantage. Now, this is a bit late because we are publishing this podcast a full two weeks after the banned restriction announcement that if you wanted to get your copies of these cards that got unbanned, it's too late. <laughs> Sword of the Meek was an uncommon in, I think it was Planar Chaos, and it's already a $22 uncommon. And Ancestral Vision was a rare in, I believe it was all, no, it was in Time Spiral. And it is already $45 for one. Which is the uncommon from Alara Reborn went from being a middling 50 cent common to, it's a $10 card now. It was in a commander product. A commander product! And it's still a $10 card. And it's still a $10 card. So, with those bannings and unbannings, what decks can we say goodbye to? Well, we kind of already mentioned it. It's the Eldrazi decks. The Eldrazi decks just aren't as good without Eye of Ugin. Yeah. Basically, what this banning did is, we, we needed, they... With the January banning, when they took out uh, uh, Summer Bloom and Splinter Twin, Splinter Twin, I really think right now we're looking at a modern format where this is what they wanted to see post Twin and Summer Bloom ban. We just ended up getting delayed a couple months because they happened to print a set that had insane cards that paired up with these lands. That literally all that Ayrvugan was done before was it was a one or two of in a Tron deck just to help you get late-game card advantage and pick out one of your giant Eldrazi or giant fatty seven-mana or plus creatures or cards. So it, Tron decks actually take a little bit of a hit because of this. They're not dead by any means. Oh, no, they just take still, a hit. turn three Karn Liberated, still pretty good. Yeah. However, it's... We needed... There was a little bit like that lag, the time delay lag, but we are now seeing a format where... Obviously, the usual aggro, play, aggro decks like Infect, uh, you're going to have your affinity decks are still going to be decent. Burn. Naya Burn is going to be still a thing. But with this unbanning, we're now seeing a rash of control decks popping up. And the only control deck you used to play pre-twin was you played twin. Yeah. Because you just had the oops, I win combo in a control deck. But now we can have control decks that don't have just this automatic, uh-oh, I won the game combo. Instead, you have a more traditional control deck where you play your lands, you say go, you draw your card for turn, you say go, you counter hand their a, things, you make a bunch of doctors on their end step. You can have hand attack, 
uh, lightning bolt, all that good stuff. Bolt's yeah, a good card. That, Bolt's a decent card again. The fact that Thopter, that Thopter Sword makes blue-white and blue-black control viable is very, very important. And the fact that maybe not both of those decks will play Ancestral Vision as well is going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch as well. Now, those are the decks that left us. Let's go back to the decks that I just mentioned that are now coming in to our format that we can welcome back. And the big winner is, of course, just the Thopter Depths combo, pretty much with its flag bearer as the deck known as Tezzerator. <laughs> so Tezzerator tries to use the Planeswalker Tezzeret Agent of Bolus to help find your combo and assemble it to kill your opponent. So what does Tezzeret do? He has two blue-black for a three-loyalty Planeswalker. He has a plus one, which says you look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal an artifact, put it into your hand, and the rest on the bottom of your library. He has a minus one to get to make target artifact a 5-5 five, five artifact creature. And he has a minus four, I believe, where you have target opponent lose life and you gain life equal to twice the number of artifacts you control. Did I mess anything up there? No, that's not about right to me. All right. However, it, and this is a guy who had been sitting around without a deck to really utilize his amazing uh, artifact engine. Yeah. Tezzeret is the artifact planeswalker, by the way, if, in case you didn't know. And the fact that the that Tezzerator is now a deck where you plus one to find your combo, and then if you have ten Thopters, you can just go, oops, you're dead. Funnily enough, I don't I didn't think I saw a Tezzeret being played in any of the top thirty two decks. Um, I can double check, but I thought I saw at least one. However, it's only in very specific decks like the Foundry decks. Actually, no, there are only blue white there were only blue white Thopter Foundry decks. Yeah, there's so no Tezzeraters top thir- top thirty two. But I think I think it's a deck that they'll probably somebody's going to tune it and they're going to make it their own. Like, oh, yeah. the thing with modern is it's it's a great format where you can pick a deck and just jam it. I mean, it might be you might have a format or a, an event that's kind of hostile if like everyone's expecting low aggro creature decks like Infect and Affinity. They might be gearing more towards stuff that'll be able to take them out, but then. It's one of those ones where the pendulum is going to swing back and forth, where people are going to start looking for that. Then they'll, they'll start looking, and it'll just, oh, God, we got to overcompensate, and it swings back and forth. It's a great, when it's a balanced format, it's a great format. Like one of the big things with modern that's one of the maxims that's always been true is that Affinity, the artifact aggro deck, is, is best when it's bad. Now, what does that mean? That means that when people aren't sideboarding for Affinity, when they go, you know what? I only need one Shatterstorm for this weekend. I don't need two. I just need one. That's when Affinity wins a GP. Yeah, when they, when everybody leaves their artifact hate at home, it comes out to play. Speaking of, let's talk about the impact of these bans and unbans, which we kind of mentioned on is Control is back, and oh my god, the sideboard hate. <laughs> Yeah. So I made a little spreadsheet of the top 32 decks from the from the SCG Classic, which was modern. I have listed the the place of the deck, the deck archetype, and the sideboard cards that are even tangentially related to this Thopter Sword combo. Because back when we had, I think it was Pro Tour Fate Reforged or Pro Tour Born of the Gods. It was Pro Tour Born of the Gods when Bitter Blossom and Wild Nakato got unbanned. Zoo was expected to show up in huge numbers, but it underperformed. Now you might go, well, why is that? Because people were sideboarding to beat Zoo. 
So one of the big overreactions you can see in a format like Modern is you look and you go, oh, Thopter, Thopter Sword is legal. I need to pack my Artifact Hate. And so I have in these in the top 32 decks, which is really top 31 decks because one deck just didn't play a sideboard. Just yeah, was, no sideboard. Don't might, know why. Might be, might be clerical error. But might be a clerical error. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and list out any of the cards that are even tangentially related to stopping the Thopter Sword combo. Let's cut it off at four ofs in the sideboard. At there. the four ofs? Well, yeah. there actually weren't that many four ofs. Um, I meant like, your number listing. Down oh, my there. number listing. Got it. So, yeah, there, there are a bunch of cute one ofs. For example, Jace Architect of Thought is a really sweet card against Thopters because Jace is just that Jace is really good against tokens. But the four ofs that were in these decks are Rest in Peace, which is all in one deck. One deck played four Rest in Peace, which exiles graveyards, which means that the sword never goes to the graveyard and can never come back. Four Torpor Orbs, which stop enter the battlefield abilities of creatures, or creatures cr- creatures entering the battlefield don't trigger abilities, and that was a two of in two different decks. Uh, there are four Engineered Explosives, which are one of the more powerful Sunburst cards from Fifth Dawn, where you play it with some number of counters based on the number of colors of mana you paid. You can pay two and stack it to destroy all permanent or all non-land permanents of that CMC. So if you play it for zero, you can blow up all zero drops, aka tokens. But that also takes in this interesting effect with uh, transform and flip cards now, where it used to be you could just set it to zero, blow it up, and get rid of cards that were flipped over, like Delver of Secrets or Garrick flip, Relentless, J- Flip Jace. They changed it now, so now there was also the rule change that happened where the flip side or the back side of it without a mana cost on it because you don't pay the mana cost the back side, it actually now maintains the CMC of the front side. So Insectile Aberration has a CMC of one. Uh, Jace Telepath Unbound has a CMC of two and so on. Uh, but that's just a little trick it with Engineering Explosives. The next card that I was a four of in the sideboards of these top 32 decks was Abrupt Decay, which is a great card against Thopter, De- Thopter Sword because both of your combo pieces are two mana, two mana permanents. And the Abrupt Decay can hit him. And Exile. You hit the sword, gets rid of it. Uh, Abrupt Decay doesn't Exile, though. Oh, right. No, it's, it doesn't. It just can't what be am I thinking? Oh, right. The counter. No. Yeah. Oh. Uh, four Scavenging Ooze, which is always a good card in Modern to have if you're playing green. If you're playing a green aggressive deck or a green mid-range deck, Scavenging old, Ooze is a really good card for you to yeah. have. Good old Scooze. Good old Scoozy. Uh, Wear Tear which is one of the Fuse cards from Dragon's Maze. It's one in the red for destroying Artifact. White for destroying enchantment, or you can fuse it together to get both for one red-white. It's a solid card. It's always been great in sideboards and modern, legacy, and even vintage. Uh, next, the last four of in the sideboards was Surgical Extraction, which is a card that you can either... You, it's either great or it's terrible, depending on who you ask. But it exiles a card from a graveyard, and you get rid of all copies of that card. Yeah, you search its owner's hand, library, graveyard, exiles them all. Yeah. I'm actually... It showed up as a two of in one of the Infect decks that made top eight sideboard. Yeah. And I'm actually considering playing in my Infect deck just because of that exact reason. Yeah. If I expect to see a lot of Thopters, I might just play it. Um, so of those four ofs, Ian, which ones are you the most um, the most interested to see? Well, like I mentioned, uh, Server Extraction for me with Infect, it's a Phyrexian black mana. So I can pay two life and I don't need to worry about tapping for black for it. Um, I used to play uh, Grixis decks, and Engineer Explosives is great in there because it can hit two and three mana, mana things if you want. Uh, 
frankly, I think Rest in Peace is going to be fun just because it's Street Graveyard Hate. It it can actually mess with a lot more strategies than certain targeted uh, yeah. artifact hate. Another another thing I want to point out about these 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 artifact these sideboard cards is that these these are just the ones that interact favorably against Thopter Sword of the ones I picked. But Rest in Peace hoses a variety of different decks. Like if you have a Dredge player at your at your local at your local metagame, it stops Dredge. It also stops the Storm decks from trying to combo off very effectively. Rest in like Peace is just really powerful. Like I mentioned, I used to play Grixis uh, Grixis Delver. That one loves to play a bunch of cards that you mill yourself so you can play like a turn three, five, five uh, Gurmag Angler. Yeah. It hoses that card. Yeah. It basically means, okay, now I have to pay seven mana for this card, which it's not good as a seven mana five, five. It's not good. So there are two cards that showed up as five ofs among the sideboards, one of which is Shatterstorm, four red, red sorcery, destroy all artifacts. They can't be regenerated. Standard sideboard card. The one that really kind of bumped up in value is a card that's been around since uh, Return to Ravnica. It was printed originally as a Lingering Souls hate card. Because turns out Lingering Souls was too good. So what's the card that you need to look for here? You think? <laughs> is it Staticaster? Yeah. So the Staticaster, I actually don't have the card in front of me, but I believe it's blue, blue, red for an O2 Flash Flyer. It's a human wizard, and it's, it has tap. One, it's, no, it's just one blue, red. Oh, one blue, red? It's, Even it's, better. It's, yeah, I have it. I have it. Okay. So it's one blue, red, human creature wizard with flash. It's an O3 with haste, which is amazingly key to this card. So what does it do? Why does it need haste when you can flash it in on end step? But you tap it, is it static cast deals one damage to target creature and each other creature with the same name as that creature. So what you do is you go and step, okay, tap, flash in, is it static caster? Tap, name tar- uh, target. Uh, I don't know, thopter a thopter. Or, or, yeah, you can say target thopter, target spirits, whatever, and it'll deal that and then blah, 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 mow down the rest of your cards. Yeah, it is very good against small token strategies like Hyper, Thopters. It's hyper efficient against those things, which yeah. is you hit one of those. What you want to do with that, though, is you want to wait until your opponent taps out their mana, generates all their Thopters, and then you blow it up or then you blow up the remaining Thopters because you'll have one that's still going to live because it'll be a, a two, three. But then well, you, you just you respond then, to but then, the, but then the you sword just power. Well, right. Yeah. But it's, in it's either case, swords though it's still it's still a a lovely hose card. Yeah. In either case, it is very powerful, and that is the sideboard card of the five that I'm looking out to seeing the most. I'll agree. We then have three six ofs in the sideboards. We have relic of progenitus, standard colorless artifact hate card. It does wonders against artifact decks or graveyard decks, I should say. Uh, six chalice of the voids. Put chalice on two, and they can never do anything. And then six vandal blast because. You know what's better than a Shatterstorm? A flexible Shatterstorm. Yeah. For all of your opponent stuff, too. Not just your stuff, all your opponent stuff. Yeah, single-sided are always great. Yeah. Uh, then, next, the, we have the top five. There were ten negates. Now, which negate, is just... This is going to be played regularly. I mean, it's your yeah. standard counter-target non-creature spell. Counters both of the of the parts of Thopter, of Thopter Sword. We have 11 Nature's Claim. I usually play that a lot with Infect because you don't really care about giving your opponent four life. It's a one green instant that destroyed target artifact or enchantment. Your opponent gains the opponent gains or whoever controls the controller that artifact. Gains four life. Yeah, so 
I've actually destroyed my own uh, enchantment before. It is sometimes <laughs> to gain, relevant. To gain four life, my opponent goes, okay, make the alpha strike, and I'm like, destroy my own enchantment, and like, oh, swing Oops. for the win. Yeah. They uh, think they want to flip it around. There are 12 Ancient Grudge. Ancient Grudge is one of the red instant for destroy target artifact with flashback for a single green. Yeah, just... There was a couple green red decks that were floating around. It's perfect for those decks. It was also played as a two of in the affinity sideboard. Yeah, that's true. They can always make multiple colors that they yeah. want with their lovely mox. Ancient Grudge is a very, very classic artifact hate card if you if you are concerned about it and you can make red and green mana. I would consider playing it. Now the top twos are the fourteen of Hercules Recall, which is one of the blue target instant target player returns all artifacts they control to their owner's hand. Oh, sorry, you lost all twenty of your Thopters. Oh no! And have, then your sword, the, have your sword and have your sword and a Thopter Foundry back. <laughs> the big winner by a mile at sixteen cards was Stony Silence. One of the white enchantment activated abilities of artifacts can't be activated. Good old Null Rod. Just straight up hoses that hoses your lovely affinity decks. It's if you're playing white, you should probably be playing it in your sideboard at this point. Like, there's maybe a few decks where you don't want Stony Silence, but at the end of the day, Stony Silence, if you are worried about artifacts, that's a card that you would want to look for if you want to stop their activated abilities. Yeah, so I think it was like there was a blue-white Tron deck that I don't know if it would want that because yeah, that hoses Tron themselves. usually doesn't care, but they might care a little bit. But, for example, no, they didn't, they didn't I think the, the highest-placing deck that played the Stony Silence was uh, the ninth-place Abzan Company deck. Yeah. Played it as a two of in its sideboard. Yep. It's yep. not a bad thing. And they also played their Kataki, so yeah, Kataki they were packing, they were packing the, is really good as well. They were packing the hate. Oh yes. There are also a bunch of other hate cards that are that were sweet, like Night of Souls Betrayal, Illness in the Ranks, Rakdos Charm, Leyline of the Void. But again, those are all kind of more closer to one ofs. If you want to know another cute interaction for those of you Tron players, Ugin's minus X can get rid of the Thopter tokens. Eh? Yeah. Eh. Anyways, so that is for the sideboards. Uh, the top eight was pretty interesting. Uh, in, you can in, basically call it the usual suspects. You basically can. In eighth place, we had Abzan Company at the hands of Kazu Nagiri. At seventh place, we had Scape Shifts at the hand of Rick Heiler, or Nick Heiler, excuse me. <laughs> Sixth place, we had at the hands, we had Infect at the hands of Adam St. Clair. Woo. Fifth place was Merfolk by Joshua Joshua Everly. Fourth was Green Red Aggro by Patrick Older. Third was Infect by Dennis Weinbrecht. And then your finals, in second place, we had Jund, which always puts up good showings in any of these modern tournaments if, if the pilot knows what they're doing. Piloted by Adonis Medrano. Apologies if I mispronounce your name. And the first place deck was Scapeshift, piloted by Daryl Ayers. Yeah, so I mean, we had two scape shift, usual typical jund, two infect, which I'm happy infect is back. Like we had the green red aggro, which was essentially just a zoo deck, play a lot of two drops and bear, like two drop, and just straight value out. Yeah, plays Tarmogoyf, best green creature ever. So yeah, plays a bunch of one drop quick ones. Uh, yeah, it's just there to just stomp your face quick. And it's win. there to give you a clock. It's there to make sure that oh, you can't just sit here and dirtle all day. Funnily enough, though, if, if you just extended down to the top 12, we had three control decks at 10, 11, and 12. Yep. Two we, Grixis we, and a Jeskai, which is amazing because 
control was what they wanted to bring back, and we have it. It didn't top yes. it yet, but we'll see. Hey, it's there. People are people are putting yeah. in the work to get it up there. Uh, yeah, it was uh, the twelfth deck. I think on SCG was labeled as Jeskai Flash. It's a lot of instant speed stuff. Do stuff on your opponent's turn. Other decks in the top 32 that were of note, there were three decks that that utilized uh, Thopter Sword, I believe. There was 19th, Fred Edelkamp with Blue White Foundry. 25th place, we had Brian Marks with Thopter, with Thopter Gifts that Ian mentioned earlier. And then at 26, we have this guy, Jerry Thompson. Don't know if Jerry you've heard T. of him. Who played Blue White Thopter, Found- Blue White Thopter Foundry at 26th. Uh, he was actually the originator of the Thopter Depths combo deck, so seeing him on the deck is not a surprise at all. Yeah, he had to get get it back, uh, get rolling for old times' sake. Of the decks that I saw in here that are kind of cool, that are kind of outside the normal, the normal turn, uh, the normal purview, uh, the red green aggro deck I kind of count because Zoo tends to tend towards Naya versus a three color deck versus two color. We had one blue red Delver deck. Delver tends to be pretty good. We had Ooh. a few affinity decks show up. Uh, the deck that I'm keeping my eye on is the White Red Control deck, piloted by Kyriakos Mavrulis. And excuse me if I butchered your name there. I tried to do the best I can. I mean, I love any deck that's red white, and the fact that it is playing just eight angels in it, in its main deck is just hilarious to me. Yeah, you're all about that Boros fist there, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah. Also, thirty first was taking turns because you can take infinite turns in modern if you want to. I kind of like the fact that the 29th deck was a Sultai control deck. You don't yep. see much of the Sultai ver- variants of that. And it was mostly just playing blue for Snapcaster and Ancestral in the main. But, but those are usually good cards anyways. Yeah, and then it was packing just a minor control and the Hercules Recall. And also so, we had... Even though it's like, it's Sultai though, which is great because usually that pops up once every so often, which yep. I love seeing. And then we also, by the way, we had three different uh, Collected Company decks show up. We had two of the Abzan variety. We had one Naya company, which is red, green, white, and one Bant company. Yeah. Actually, I need to double check. I want to make sure, did the Bant company deck play, it did not play Reflector Mages. I'm still still thinking of standard. Speaking of standard. Speaking speaking of standard. And speaking of company. And speaking of collected company, a deck that is, a card that is still modern legal. Standard had a rotation by the by. Uh, Cons of Tarkir and Fate Reforged are gone. We've already talked about those. Let's talk about new standard. Ian, who's the big winner in standard right now? Jim Davis won the event with a Bant Company deck. I am cuckoo for Coco. I love the love the card. I'm actually looking to put it as my current standard deck. Um, however, that wasn't the main... That was the winner of the event, but the winner of the day, good old humans. Tribal's back, baby, and humans are the it deck right now. Yeah, if you look at the standard top eight, which was won by Bant Company with Jim Davis, in the finals he faced off against Kellen Pastor, piloting mono white humans. The rest of the top eight, fully, so of the six other decks in the top eight, four of them, or three of them, are listed as humans decks. Yeah, we had mono white humans, we had a white blue. Mid range, two, two black or white black human, white black mid range. Yeah, white black mid range, and then a couple white blue humans decks, which are nice. And then we had a white green. So like, basically, out of the top eight decks, only I think it was what two? No, one deck. One deck only was one not deck playing did not white, play white, and that was Todd Anderson playing blue red tempo because he, that deck was spicy though. Because he wanted oh. to play with uh, thing in the ice, but it played Pyromancer's goggles, which is. 
hilarious, and I loved it. I saw now, him. even even that, even that. So we had seven of the top eight playing white. We had fourteen of the top sixteen playing white. The only deck not playing white was mono red Eldrazi at sixteenth, and the aforementioned blue red control, which is it's it's insane. The top card played overall on the weekend. 145 copies of Declaration of Stone in those top 64 decks. And the next card, Knight of the Like Orchid at 119 copies. And then Gideon, Archangel Avacyn, Thraven Inspector. Hmm, the top five. What color do they have in common? Uh, white. <laughs> now they, now we, take, we take a break with Thought Not Seer because it's colorless. But then we go back to the white cards with Reflector Mage Thalia, and then Thalia's Lieutenant. Uh. <laughs> I'm loving it. So the it's, big the, the I, big but, disclaimer with any opening week standard is that aggro usually runs the show. For for those of us who play, paid attention during Cons of Tarkir's opening weekend, mono black aggro was the deck to play, and it ended up not showing up at all after that first weekend because control needs to know what the threats are. A control deck needs to be able to know. Okay, I need to be able to play against the following types of decks. And, well, now we know what the metagame is when the control decks don't really show up. Right. You can test You can test your control decks all day long. Like, one of the people who didn't play a human's deck was Aliantrazi playing Esper Dragons because it's still a great deck. It's it also is. what Aliantrazi usually does. Or am I thinking of Shaheen Shirani? You're thinking Shaheen, but Ali, Ali still runs a lot of Esper decks as well. But it's still a great deck. However, outside of that... There was another one at 17th, by the way, uh, yeah. for S for Dragons. That one is just good because it's, you know, more of the resilient, like, it's just straight value town and can handle it, and it's a known quantity control deck. Your other, like, we, we'll probably see, like, you mentioned earlier, we have Grand Prix's uh, Albuquerque and Barcelona this weekend. Now, GP Albuquerque is standard, and GP Barcelona is limited. Yeah, it's sealed. But we'll still see a – it's actually going to be a very small sample size, I guess you can say, for an event. It's 1,250 people for I mean, that's GP good, Albuquerque. That's going to be bigger than the PT. Right. So we're still going to get some standard in, which is great. I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm all on company right now. I love it. I think it's great. I think it can handle control decks well. We're going to see how well these human decks, whether it's blue, the white blue, the white green, the mono white versions, how well they do come pro tour. Because that's when the pros are really going to have been basically plugging away for the last couple of weeks. Well, the pros they're have already really started, basically, right now. No, no, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying they're, they're already been plugging away at figuring out this. They've, they've now seen that week one metagame. They know what some of the threats are. They know what some of the, the pop you in the face decks are. We're, we might see some crazy left field strategy that might come out of nowhere and kick some butt. I'll be cool with that. But I personally, like I said, I'm on Bannock Company as the pick. I'm going to be going to a couple of Grand Prix potentially to play in it with it. So I just think it can deal with a wide variety of threats. It's resilient as all get out. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. This is going to be a very interesting format to see hash out, especially after this, this top eight where basically half the decks in the top eight were humans decks. It's going to be very interesting to see how the format adjusts. For example, I'm currently on a blue-red Sphinx's Tutelage deck, which is might have to go a little bit more controlly than I would like to because the, the humans' decks are very aggressive. They're very yeah. aggressive. So well, Yeah, and you also have to deal with the lovely Archangel Avacyn, who has just... Oh, my God. 
demolished price lists everywhere. She Jeez. jumped up to fifty bucks. It's she's I a house though. Yeah. She it's. I, the price is worth it, though. Yeah. I mean, she is of- very strong. She's very good. She is worth the price tag currently. Um, my local game store busted a bunch of boxes, and they opened a foil Avacyn, and so that's sitting there at the cool ninety dollars it is right now, or something. So one thing, one thing that was fun to note though was the ramp decks that people were thinking might show up never showed up. The red green ramp didn't even make top thirty something that I could see. Uh, I have one at twenty third. Oh yeah, which one? Twenty third. Twenty third, twenty sixth, thirty fifth, and I think that's it. Yeah, so uh, f- it's fifty sixth. But I think what was happening with those decks is they were probably just getting overrun by the quick aggro human decks. Easily, I mean, a ramp deck needs time. Control decks need time. There's just some. It's interesting. Like, there's also this green black tokens deck, which is trying to use Cryptolith right to ramp out an Ulamog on turn four. And there was. Some crazy little uh, Gitrog Frog. Oh, the Gitrog Monster, Gitrog Jund. Um, what we did see, obviously, was the fact that of the lovely um, uh, tribal decks that might have possibly come out of the current set, Vampires never showed because, unfortunately, they are weak, just like we thought they were. Yeah, they're, the Vampire deck looks sweet. You can do some really busted things like... Falconrath Gorger turn one into Air of Falconrath turn two into turn three, pitch an incorrigible use and attack for that would be what? Nine. Have your opponent have your opponent basically at nine by the end of turn three. Super super cool deck idea. Seems a bit fragile. Yeah, I'll tell you this though, it's it's a de- definitely a deck that you could take to your F and M for Friday. Have a ton of fun. Like Friday, yeah, F and M, kick some butt, win some packs. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes down a game day or two with it. Easily. Easily. Um, it just the one also also we at, have we also haven't seen enough of the metagame yet. Besides, no. because today uh, was the first day that standard actually rotated out on Magic Online, which is where a lot of people are going to get some of the results from. So I mean, granted, yeah. Shadow's cards aren't out yet on Moto, but we're yeah. getting there. Yeah. Uh, the deck that I'm looking at right now from the top 64 is this red white Aldrazi deck, which looks really sweet. Oh yeah, it's like ooh spicy. Four Chandras, two Pias. P and Kieran Nalars, you're speaking my language. Uh, but anyways, that is standard. A lot of the things that we kind of noticed. The other big thing is card draw is kind of bad right now. It's it's not good. It's, it is not the it is not Sphinx's. There's no Sphinx's Rev. There's no Dig Through Time. The best no card draw spell first. in standard right now is what Epiphany of the Drown Yard. I would either that or it's a Dragon Lord's prerogative. Even then, Six that's not very draw good either. I, yeah, well, yeah, it's your your draw right now is not great. Yeah. So, which is why, outside of the dragon control decks, we're not seeing a lot of actual solid control, just because they don't have that card advantage, like we were mentioning with modern, where all of a sudden control decks are popping up because they have their lovely suspended ancestrals. Yeah. Modern just doesn't have a good card draw spell right now. I mean, standard. Well, yeah, modern got standard. a good one. Standard's missing one. Right. And it's kind of flip flopped on it, so yeah. right. But also, we'll we'll have to see. I think as a control deck, we might see more of the attrition style, white black, yeah, uh, hand attack and creature kill. The mono removal dot deck. Yeah, your removal decks and hand attack are going to become probably what we'll see for the time being. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, a big thing to note about standard is that standard is always going in as a pendulum. 
There are some standard formats where aggro is going to be good. There are some standard formats where control is going to be good. And you always want to make sure that when standard changes that you are aware of what the metagame is looking like, looking like now. So if you're a grinder, pay attention to the metagame, know your sideboard cards, and make sure that you, uh, you're prepared for anything that the standard format might throw your way. Like I'm going to be getting into more of these standard events now. So that's, that's definitely a, something I'm keeping on my radar. Yeah, so get your collected companies while they're still 20 bucks. <laughs> and your Avacens while they're 50. Oh god, I, that's going to be terrible. It is, is going to be terrible. Uh, anyways, that's, I think that's going to do it for us this week, unless you can think of anything else you want to add, Ian. Nope, that's about it. Alright, so Ian, where can people find you? People can find me at twitch.tv slash dix. That's D-I-X. Remember, I will be streaming a bunch of these pre-release events coming up uh, as best to my ability on Friday and Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, not Sunday. I have a duty shift. And you can find me on Twitter at dixonij. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Right, and you can find me on Twitter at jwiley129 and on Twitch at the same username, also, if you aren't following the podcast on Twitter, you should do so. It is at Eyes on the Mize. Uh, I've been tweeting out my daily cube packs, looking for other people's cubes to feature as well, so we can spread the love of cube further out than just beyond our little walls. Also, it's, it's been quite popular, I think. People are liking the little daily cube packs. Like, what would you pick? Exactly. I mean, I just made a bunch of uh, additions to my cube currently, uh, thanks to Star City Games' recent sale of most of MP foils. So added a foil batter skill to my cube for only seventeen dollars. Decent. Decent. All right. Uh, you can also, if you have a more personal question for the podcast that you don't want to send out on Twitter, you can email us at eyesandthemise at gmail dot com. And also, big shout out to Blake Rasmussen for featuring us last week on MTG on the MTG Daily Update. That was really awesome of you guys. And maybe we'll show up again some other time in the future, but that's not on us. We have no control over that. But it'll happen. It'll, It'll happen. happen again. We'll see. Looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it as well. Modern sweet. Standard is sweet. And go out there and just, you know what? Just crush some games. Go out there. Have a, look, have a good time. Play some games. And enjoy, enjoy Shadows of Innistrad. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you all next time.